Um, if you've never been part of a communion service, we're just going to look at one aspect of the Lord tonight because, and I believe this not 100% all the way across the board, but these nights are a simple night. They're when God's people get together uh, in God's house to worship God. He says that when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so that tonight, it's not going to be the super crazy uh, Bible gymnastics of verses you've probably never heard before. We're looking at a simple topic about the simple reality that God loves us. Not just as the body. He doesn't just love corporate worship. He loves the individual pursuit of your soul. That when you are chasing after God and hard, He absolutely loves it. But remember, He loved us first. And tonight, as we look at these things, if you guys have never taken communion, uh, you've got to know this. Just a couple quick things up front. The Bible makes it very clear. It is for believers only. That's it. If you are are not a believer uh, or you're not sure if you're a believer, then let's make sure tonight... If you're not a believer, we invite you tonight and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But communion, don't just don't go back. Don't get that juice in that cup that represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It is only for those who choose to put their faith in the sacrifice of the cross and what Jesus gave his life for. Um, but tonight, it's you and Jesus. We're together. It's a big room, a lot of people. We're going to get back into worship. But you and Jesus. We'll look at at the closing of the message when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Interesting question. What if tonight God sat down and just said, hey, you know, Dave, do you love me? And he already knows my, the intents of my heart. He knows my thoughts before I thank them. I mean, he's got this stuff written out in eternity. He knows how I'm going to answer. And he knows whether I'm telling the truth or not. He knows the reality of it all. And he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me. Right, that's the topic tonight. Father, we, uh, we rejoice in your goodness. And God, I love that that tiny little conversation you had with Peter, Lord, it reveals more than his love for you, Lord, it revealed your love for him. God, tonight some of us would answer, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Others would answer, Lord, I don't even, I don't even know if I love you. And some maybe would even dare to be honest enough to say, Lord, I, I have not loved you in a long time. But tonight, God, as your people are before you, we ask that you would just fill us afresh even now. Give us ears to hear the going forth of your word, hearts ready to receive it. And Lord, that we would not get in the way of what you want to do. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. We all said? Amen. Amen. All right. Um, have you guys like nursery rhymes and like little kid songs and stuff? Oh, what? Oh, my gosh. Dude, that's like 10 of us. I'm throwing both my hands up. Uh, I know. The rest of you guys are too cool for it, right? Like, like dude, no. Right, it's not that we don't like it. We just won't admit in public that we like it. Jesus said, if you don't have the faith of a child, you ain't coming to heaven. So, uh, I don't think he used the word ain't. He wasn't a cowboy, but that's kind of how he put it, all right? He's very into... Uh, a faith that is trusting, a faith that is not ashamed, a faith that is willing. Um, what are some like little kid children's ministry songs you guys remember growing up? Jesus Loves Me? Okay. What's the other one? The candle one? Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. I think that should be a screamo song. Totally. No, Seriously. But, um, 
What else? So we got this, this little light of mine. Dude, how many guys don't know the Lord's army? Army? Why did I say it like that? Army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Dude. Um, guys, this stuff, I know it's so, it's simple, right? But that like moment of time, like we're all smiling and we're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. I love that song. This stuff should be on her all the time. That our lips should be continually bringing forth the praises of God. And I'll tell you, my singing voice isn't that good, so I don't get all into the Hillsong stuff when I'm driving very often. I'm just like, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Like, I mean, like, that's it. But why? It's awesome. And tonight we're going to talk about for a little while together the eternal reality that God is love and that he is love every day. This, today is starting through the first thing that popped in my mind is that song. Whoever brought it up first, Jesus Loves Me, right? How many of you guys know this? Please tell me you know the song, Jesus Loves Me. Right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. You guys rock. Um, right? It's this little tiny truth. But think about it. It's this little tiny truth in a little tiny song that we teach little tiny kids because they can get it. They can get it. Maybe they can't explain the rapture and find verses in the book of Revelation and what is the beast and the crowns and the, all this craziness, but man, they understand Jesus loves me. And when's the last time we came to the reality and just grabbed onto, man, Jesus loves me, this I know. It's amazing. So tonight, just a couple things we want to look at. Before we partake of communion, we need to remember what Jesus did, what he is doing, and who he is. And tonight, we're just looking at the fact that God has loved with an everlasting every single one of us, regardless of where you are tonight. Whether you'd answer like Peter, Lord, you know I love you. Whether you would answer like some of us, Lord, I don't know, I want to love you, but I don't know where I'm at. Or if you'd answer, look, I'm pretty far from this whole thing. I don't even know how to love the Lord. It is a foreign concept to me. It does not change the fact that God loves you. Some words uh, put together, but one of them, just the fact that God's love is unbreakable. Right? It is unbreakable. You cannot break God's love. Romans 8, 38 and 39. There's not going to be much on the screens for you guys. I apologize. But Romans 8, 38 and 39. This is amazing stuff. It's written, it says, I am persuaded. To be persuaded means that you've changed your mind. You've been convinced of something that you were not once convinced of. It is also a word that means that you've become tranquilized. You're like, what? Yes, like the little gazelle. And like, shoot. I think it'd be awesome, right? Shoot a charging lion with a tranquilizer and he's just coming at you and just falls asleep. Boop. It means to be overcome by the power of something else. For us to understand and to accept the love of God, we've got to realize and be at grips with the fact that there is something bigger than us. There's something more powerful than us. There's something more loving than us because when we understand God's love is unbreakable, what you're saying is I need God's love. 
I need God's love in my life. And that is hard, especially as a man to say, right? If we say, I need anything. It, we think it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of uh, simplicity that you're dumb or you're soft or you're a coward. But the reality is every single one of us need the love of God because the love of God is unbreakable. And Paul said, look, it, I've changed my mind about this. I've been convinced, I've been persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nothing, nor things present right now, nor things to come in the future, no matter what it is, nothing that can come in the future, no height, no depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, look, I've been convinced of this thing, that nothing can separate me from my God. Nothing at all. It is unbreakable. I think the greatest fear for a lot of people is not the fear of loneliness. We hate loneliness, but we're not afraid of it. See, loneliness is safety. You can't be hurt when you're alone, right? Most of us aren't afraid of loneliness. We despise it. We hate it. We don't like it. But our greatest fear is allowing someone to love us deep enough to hurt us. And so sometimes we take the actions of man and we attribute them to God and think, well, because people have hurt me, God's going to hurt me. Because people have let me down, maybe God's going to let me down. And we wouldn't formulate that and say it out loud, but the way that we live our lives is just keeping God at arm's distance. We won't let him all the way in, kind of. And yet God's love, it is unbreakable. It does not fade. It does not fade away. In any way at all, it doesn't change. It's not something that dims down as a fire does or a candle that will burn out one day. It is eternal. It is infinite. It is never-ending. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. says, For the mountains shall depart. The mountains will be gone. You guys know the mountains will be gone one day? It's nuts. God says, I'm burning this whole ball down to a big pile of nothing. It'll just cease to exist. Isaiah 54.10, For the mountains, they will depart. The hills will be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. That heaven and earth may pass away, but the love of God will remain. It is never, never, never ending. Love having a place to run back to. A little kid might run back to their mom or dad. As we grow older, you're going to move out and go to college, but you're going to come back home because you need your laundry done or you're short on food uh, or something. And even when you get older, you're going to call your mom and dad for advice. There's that place of stability you can run to. There's a few people in life that you can trust. And much more of a greater ability and magnitude than that, we can always run back to God. Why? Because he is love. John tells us God is love. That is what he is at the core being of who God is, it is love. Well, I thought sometimes it's righteousness. It is, but in all of his righteousness and his justice, and even when he pours out his wrath, he never sets love aside. I wonder sometimes if we really, really believe that God loves us at all times. We believe sometimes that God loves us when things are good, when things are easy, or when we're just doing things right. But what about when you're doing things flat out wrong? Does God still love you? Oh, yeah. He may be upset. He may be broken. But he's never stopped loving. It is unbreakable. It's wild to think no one's ever been able to break the love of God. 
It's unbreakable. To me, it is absolutely unbelievable. It's unbreakable and it's unbelievable. Not that you can't believe it, but it's beyond our expectations. It's so far. It's like, what? I can't believe that. No way. I mean, imagine actually winning the lottery, right? It's like seven. I got a seven. Thirteen. No way. Nine or whatever. I don't know how many numbers they put on there, but say it's three and I just got them all. What? I mean, you would check that thing a hundred times. You'd go to the store and they would check it a hundred times because they don't believe you either and, and all of this crazy stuff. But to come to the point of actually realizing you hold the winning ticket, every one of us hold the winning combination or the reality to all of eternity that God's love, it is unbreakable, but is also unbelievable. Love without expectations, beyond our expectations. It exceeds our expectations. Compare for a moment in your mind doing something because you have to and doing something because you want to. I don't know what your thing would be. Doing something, maybe there's a certain class that you have to take. You have to take math. You're like, oh. You know, I can just skip the last two problems, get a C, and be fine, right? It's, or however, uh, one of you apparently does that. So, um, Or you hate English, right? So you're like, I could... I could read the, every other paragraph and probably get a B-plus on this book report, right? And so we have to do it, so we get it done. But then there's something you love to do, right? Like lunch. And you're like, <laughs> dude! And you pull it out, and you got it all laid out there. My brother-in-law, is, he's hilarious. If we go out to In-N-Out or wherever it is, he won't eat in the car because he wants to get home and lay it all out on the table and enjoy it. What's the point? There's things that we have to do, and then there's things we want to do. Maybe it's a class you love art, but you hate Spanish. So you're like, no me gusto, bro. Like, yeah. But in art, you'll, spend, you'll be up till midnight painting this little tiny picture. Our hearts go into the things that we love. They do. We can be obedient to do things we have to do, but our hearts go into the things we love. No one has to tell us to do it. In fact, it's hard for us to stop, so they've got to pull us away and drag us back to our responsibilities. You are not a responsibility to God. You are the object of His affection. He loves you. It's unbelievable. I cannot wrap my mind around it because look at ourselves. We know that in us there's nothing good that our hearts are deceitfully wicked and we can't figure out even our own ideas or emotions. And God says, I am crazy about you. You are not an obligation. You are not a responsibility. You are my love. My wife and I, when we first got married, I, <laughs> one of my loves is breakfast. I love breakfast. Eat it all day, every day. If I could wake up at 2 in the morning, I'd wake up for breakfast. Um, but here's the deal. When we first got married, things were very different than they are now, right? We have kids, and sometimes it's like, uh, oh, dang, no one ate. So you just pour cereal in it, like a splash of milk, and you eat it. It's like, <laughs> right? It's so grindy, and your gums are bleeding. But whatever. You guys ever go through that? You're just trying to shove something in your mouth as you run out the door? Breakfast was like a side note. It was kind of an afterthought. No one cared. There was no, like, loving touch to it. It was like, just what you had to do. So you just throw a bunch of cereal in a bowl, and you shove it in front of someone's face. You're like, eat it. I don't have a spoon. I don't care. You have hands. Just eat it. Like, doesn't matter. When we first got married, it was awesome. Every Saturday was like the breakfast battle with my wife and I. No one said it had, it just naturally, spontaneously happened. I think within like the first month of our marriage, someone got up before the other on Saturday and it was like, 
you wake up and there's pancakes and waffles and French toast and then scrambled eggs and over easy eggs and sunny side up eggs and bacon and ham. And then there's orange juice and grape juice and milk and coffee. And I'm not kidding. Like there's a spread like the king was coming over. Like this is nuts. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't know what you liked the best. So just whatever you and I know you like this, but something like this. So just, you can have both if you want. And so the next morning, next Saturday, uh, the next person would get up, and it would be like two different kinds of omelets. And you'd run to Starbucks and back and have an ice blended frappuccino the way she likes it. And you'd have like whatever, right? And there'd be you'd throw away ten times more food than you ate. Was it a chore? Was it like, well, when you marry me, you better get up every other Saturday and make me everything you can imagine because that's what love is. No, it's not like that. When you compare the things we have to do versus the things we want to do. As God loves you. As a father loves his child or as a husband loves his wife, you are, we are labeled both the child of God, the bride of Christ, You're not an obligation or a responsibility or a have to. Every time the sun comes up, as we just read, his mercies are brand new. Brand new every morning. Oh, sweet. All right, I got this awesome plan for you, Dave. Oh, but man, I blew it yesterday. I I didn't read my Bible. And he's like, yeah, dude, like half the world didn't read their Bible yesterday. Will you read it today? Come on, I got some stuff to do. Let's go. Well, but like two weeks ago, I was really mean to my wife. Like, Yeah, but dude, that's a long time ago. Like, In my calculations, a day is a thousand years, so that's 14,000 years ago. So come on, man, let's get with it. Whoa, it's a long time. (laughs) Guys, the love of God, you cannot break it, and it's hard to believe it, but it is real. Turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 63. You guys know the whole saying about Christmas better to give than to receive? It's not true, is it? <laughs> Until you're a parent, I think. Then it changes. You have your things you'd like to have, right? Like, I want a new hunting knife. Or like, I want whatever you like. I don't know. New nail polish or something. I don't Girls are impossible. You've got to help me out. Uh, Psalms chapter 63. says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, and my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. When was the last time we understood that the love of God was better than life itself? Not just as a a truth that you could put down, yes, true on a test and and pass it, but that you really understood to be loved by God is better than living life itself. Because you're not an obligation, you're not a responsibility, you are not a have to. You are his child, you are his bride, you are his love. It's an everlasting love. Psalms 103, you can flip over just a little bit more to the right. Psalms 103. Isn't it nuts? Better than life itself? 
Paul said, look, to live is Christ, and to die is even better, it's gain. And no matter what, of course to be with the Lord and the love of God is better. Psalms 103, verse 10 and 11 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Can you imagine if God dealt with us according to our sins? What if just, just he broke one bone every time you sinned? That's it. And that would be merciful, right? That would be merciful. Like, no, Ma, I didn't eat that. Oh! oh! <laughs> I never hit my sister. <laughs> he hasn't. You guys know how lucky we are? How blessed we are? How unbelievable it is? Why? Because he loves you. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth. Pause. I have no clue how far away, I didn't do the math on how far away the moon or Mars or Jupiter or Pluto or the end of the galaxy is, but I'm pretty sure that's farther than I can comprehend. You with me? It's a long ways away. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. John chapter 3 Verse 1, just the first part says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. I cannot wrap my mind around what it would be like to be a, a five, a six, a seven, an eight-year-old little boy and to be in an orphanage knowing my mom and dad split or it didn't work out and to have some stranger come in and say, Hey, we want to take care of you, provide for you, clothe you, love you in every way you can imagine, and more. We're taking you to Disney, and you're like, Disney what? The best thing you got is a bouncy ball and a slide in the back, right? And you're like, Who's, what's Disneyland? Like, don't worry about it. We're taking you to Hawaii. Hawaii? What's that? And these people have to pay thousands of dollars. They pick you up. They drive you home. For what? What did you do? You had like a runny nose, torn jeans, and messed up hair, right? And you probably spit on their car because you thought they were lying. <laughs> and for them to sacrifice everything because they don't really care who you necessarily are or what you can do for them. They're overwhelmed by a love for you. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Jeremiah 31 tells us two cool things about the love of God. So, so far it's unbreakable, it's unbelievable. I'm I, thankful for it, but I don't think I'll ever understand it, the love of God. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, you guys have heard this before, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you in. Are there any people in your life that you're not afraid to go to? Like even if you... Maybe it's grandpa, right? He lets you borrow his old car and you crash into the pole down the street and you're bummed to go tell him, but you're not afraid to go tell him. They're very rare in life to find. But people, no matter what, you're afraid to tell them because you don't want to disappoint them. You're afraid to tell them because you don't want to hurt them or, or let them down, but you're not afraid to tell them because you think they're going to shave your head or shoot you or ground you for life, Right? You're just like, oh my goodness. That element of terror doesn't exist with them. If you've ever been afraid to come to God and you've been convinced that's it, he's going to bring the hammer down this time. You have the wrong idea of God's love. 
is with loving kindness that he draws you in. It's like, oh, but, but I sinned. I know, I was, I was there. I told you not to. But I mean, you don't even know. I don't know. I'm God. Of course I know. Oh, yeah. He draws us in. Tonight, some of you guys, the Lord is trying to pull you in hard. He's loved you with an everlasting love, it says. And with loving kindness, it's not, get over here. What would you do? Okay, come here. What happened? (laughs) It's all right. Cars are cars. We can put it back together. No, but I messed up. Oh, get a new one. It's not a big deal. It says it's an everlasting love. It's unending. It's unbreakable. It's unbelievable. It is unending. It doesn't fade or change. It's unconditional. Romans 5.8. It's unconditional. God doesn't love us because of who we are, but because of who He is. Isn't that awesome? The reality that God does not love us because of who we are means that He'll never stop loving us because of who we are. If He does not love you because of who you are, you cannot do anything to stop Him from loving you. It's unconditional. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His own love towards us and that while we were still Sinners, Christ died for us. A lot of verses maybe that you've heard or, or I pray memorized. Or we share with people, right? This is how I share the gospel and we preach it all the time. But when's the last time we looked at our own hearts and said, man, you are loved by the Lord. While you little stinky faced Dave were out sinning, Christ was dying for you. It's true. Unconditional. It's who he is. Completely. So Jesus asks Peter at the closing of the Gospel of John. Says, Peter. You guys know the story? Peter jumps off the boat, grabs his jacket, goes swimming into shore to get to Jesus as fast as he can. He'd already denied Christ three times, totally turned his back on God in a tremendous way. And he's sitting there, no hesitation. I, I don't get it. Peter, it wasn't like, oh no, busted. I denied him three times. The rooster could even warned me. You see people all throughout the Bible just crying out, Jesus, have mercy. You know, it's awesome. He doesn't get to shore. and He's like, Jesus. And Jesus stands up. What did you do? Could you imagine if that's how it read? Peter, you denied me, not once, not twice, but three times. And then, like, right? I told you, dum-dum, like, what's wrong with you, Peter? I'll let you follow me around, but you're the luggage boy from now on, all right? That, that's how you would expect it. And Peter would be like, dude, whatever. I will, I'll pick up after the donkey. I'll do whatever you want. Like, I'm so sorry. None of that happened. I love, Peter was, he didn't hesitate for a second. He was on that boat. And the moment he saw Jesus, I mean, it was like, where'd Peter go? What, 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 what? I don't even know if the other disciples saw him yet. It was just Peter in the water going after Jesus. No hesitation. He didn't wonder if there'd be forgiveness. He didn't wonder if there'd be love. He didn't wonder at all. He knew it. He knew it. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to the love of God. 
Peter, do you love me? He asks him three different times. The last one bumps Peter out. He's like, Lord, come on, you know. But the first two are interesting, and tonight, I you to think about as we prepare our hearts to take communion. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Right? The other disciples had caught up, and they're around the fire, and there's a fish going, it's breakfast. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Am I more important to you than all the people around you? Big question, right? Little word. Big question. Do you love me more than these? And tonight, in your mind, put your family here and your friends and your school and your sports team or whatever. Do you love me more than these? Jesus loves you more. He gave everything, right? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, great. Then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And the word itself, it means, will you be content if I'm all you have? If I am it. Peter, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you yet? Tonight, is the Lord enough for you yet? Have you seen his love? You're not a responsibility or obligation. Because when you see the love of God, all of a sudden, Christianity and Bible and walking with the Lord is not a have to. It's a want to. People won't be able to pull you back inside of the things of the world. You won't get tangled up as quickly. It's a want to. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Means I don't do anything Jesus wouldn't do. And the life which I now live in the flesh, as long as I'm stuck on this planet, this is the life I'm going to live, he says. I live by faith in the Son of God. And look how it ends. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Why would he say such strong words? Why would he say, I have crucified my flesh and to live the life of the Lord is more important than anything else I have right now? who loved me and gave himself for me. That's it. It's the love of God. It's unbelievable. It's unbreakable. It's unending. It's amazing. Tonight, you are it. You are loved by God. We're going to worship. We're going to just take some time and set it aside for the Lord tonight. But I want you to sit there and talk with the Lord. Do you love him more than everyone else around you? If you're like, yeah, I, I know that. And you can say, yeah. I act, isn't it awesome Peter can answer these questions? He's like, you know what? Yeah, I do. And he said, sweet. Am I enough, Peter? Tonight, is Jesus enough? Let's pray. Father, we... Uh, God, we rejoice that a simple little childlike song, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Lord, tonight we are weak, we know it, but you are strong. Lord, tonight I ask that you would by your spirits, begin to search our hearts. 
But it's amazing, the tidal wave of life that seems to come every day. That you'd search our hearts. Lord, those that are broken and need you tonight, Lord, pick them up. Carry them in your just mercy. Lord, those of us that have been walking in pride, Lord, we invite you, knock us down a little bit. Lord, we thank you very much for your compassion, for your love, for your sacrifice. As we partake of communion tonight, Lord, we thank you. Lord, for that ultimate sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.